There was a little boy sitting outside on a bench on the sidewalk while his mother was in at the grocery store. A man came up to him and said, son, can you tell me the way to get to the post office? The little boy looked at him. He said, sure, mister. It's just down the block here and turn right. It's right there. He said, thank you. He said, I'm the new pastor in town. And if you come to church Sunday, I'll tell you the way to get to heaven. The little boy smiled at him and said, no, thanks, pastor. Pastor said, why not? He said, you can't even find the way to the post office. Christianity is one of many equal paths to God. Now, isn't that a statement that I know every one of you have heard out in the world? It is what is said. It is, aren't there many paths to God? Aren't there many ways to God that you guys are just one? And I think underlying that statement is the fact of what we have just read in the gospel. Underlying that statement are the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, underlying the statement that all religions are the same, all of them lead to God, is the statement of Jesus that says the only way to God is through me. And underlying that statement that we hear is what people would like. You Christianity people, you people of Christ, you need to be relegated to your position in this. Stop acting like you have an exclusive right. Stop acting like you know the way that this is supposed to work. In fact, that very statement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, causes visceral attitudes in people because of that exclusivity. Let's look at the next slide that we have there. This is a quote by a rabbi that we have. There we go. Rabbi Shmuley Botich says this, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you, and that's what leads to hatred. You see, that's the attitude out there. If we hold to that statement of scripture that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How can you Christians say that? And we portray that. And I don't know that we always portray it in the best light, in the best way. For instance, I want to show you briefly a Christian video, a video that people could see on YouTube and out there. And then I want to have a couple of comments after you see that. So go ahead, Tim, if you'd run that video. by, he told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. 
The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hole he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. Now, if you were what we call a seeker, someone out in society, and you saw this video, your first reaction would be, wow, there is something different in Christianity than other religions, something that I've been looking for, something that I want to find. But if you were somebody of our pluralistic society, somebody who says that we need to be tolerant of all religions, that there can't be one that is so exclusive, you might say, like, Charles Templeton, who Pastor Mark quoted last week, who used to be a friend of Billy Graham and became an athe atheist, he called this idea that Christianity was the only way an insufferable presumption. An insufferable presumption that we should say there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And see, that's really the problem underlying the myth. The problem is that we know that that's what the scripture teaches. We know those are the words of Jesus. We can't just be relegated into a place with all other religions. But I want to ask the question first and foremost, is Christianity the only religion that seems to portray this idea of exclusivity? And when you make a claim about exclusivity, which goes back to the session we had on absolute truth, what happens? There's a good quote by Ravi Zacharias that I want to show you when he talks about making a claim. Anytime you make a truth claim, whatever it is, you mean something contrary to it is false. Truth excludes its opposite. You see, there's the problem. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life excludes all other pathways to heaven because if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if no one comes to the Father, then the statement alone says that there are no other pathways 
to heaven. Well, is Christianity that religion that only makes it? I want you to look at the next slide, if you would. The only religion that claims exclusivity. No, it is not. In fact, Islam is very exclusive in what it says. The Quran is the sole, sufficient, consummate miracle of Islam. It is the only translation. And Islam also makes this claim. It is only effective in Arabic. If it's translated into another language, it's no longer effective. And not only that, you have to have a high education and level of Arabic. A basic one isn't good enough to understand the teachings of Islam. That's an exclusive statement that they make. The next one, let's look at that. Hindu. Now, Hindu is very exclusive on the things. I know that we think it includes all religions, but it's inclusive only in the way of these three things. It does not flinch on karma, that the law of what you do comes back to you. That is one of the tenets that they hold to. That Vedas, which is their holy scripture, is the writing that they follow. You can't do away with that. And reincarnation, that, that is, those are the, some of the things that they will hold to and not give way on if you become Hindu. Buddhism, which is an offshoot of that, um, did away with the caste system and doesn't agree with the scripture, but holds to the other thing. So there's some exclusivity. And then finally, Baha'ism, which is the next one. You see, that's a religion nowadays that embraces all religions, except if you belong to a religion that's exclusive, then you're excluded from that. So see, it isn't that there's just exclusivity in Christianity. There's exclusivity in all religions and things that other religions won't let go of, uh, that they hold on to. But what's important is that we look at how these questions are answered. And religion seeks to answer four fundamental questions. So if you'd go to the, the next slide. Origin, morality, meaning, and destiny. How did we get here? Where does it come from? What's it all about? What does the future hold? Now this is important because what we're dealing with and what we need to look at as we look at other religions, as we look at Christianity, is two fundamental questions. Inconsistency in the teaching and reality. What I mean is what we really experience in this life. For instance, now, you know, as I'm going through these things, it's, I realized it's really hard to present this and not sound arrogant as you try to unpack the different religions. I'm not trying to sound arrogant in this. I'm just trying to give you the facts of what the teachings have. There's inconsistency, for instance, in Hinduism in terms of origin, in terms of morality and Buddhism. For instance, if we take the idea of reincarnation. Now, we know that we see in society throughout history a morality that exists in societies, that societies come together and they set up laws. And there are laws that they have that are not violated. Now those might vary between societies, but there is this idea of some type of morality. Reincarnation says that you're always paying for something that happens. So what happens in the very first life at the origin of the universe? What are you paying for 
If you're reincarnated, what was it that you did before if you didn't exist? See, there's inconsistency in, in this. And if it's something that you're supposed to be doing to set your pathway, and if you are the source of that morality, as humanism would say, then how do you explain Evolution doesn't explain a morality, a law system. If we're supposed to live by the law of the jungle, why do we see laws in society? Where do those things come from in terms of origin? Now, we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that we were created by God. We are outside of the Creator. That the Creator is higher than we are. Which explains that there is then a higher morality that we attain to. Now we know we were created first in God's image. That we lost that image through the fall, through sin. And that that fall causes the depravity that we see in the world. But it also explains that there is this idea of a higher law. We see that in societies that have no idea of the Christian faith. And yet that's what Paul is saying in Romans, that God wrote his law on the hearts of men. There is inherent, because he is the creator, this idea of morality, of something more. That's what we see, isn't it? That's the reality in our world versus some spiritual plane, some spiritual idea that doesn't flesh itself out in our society nowadays. There is also the idea of meaning. What is our meaning in this life? Well, we know that the Bible teaches our meaning is in concert with that creator. That we were created to worship our God and that that is a higher thing than ourselves. We need to worship something greater than ourselves and that we find our meaning in that worship. The great Shema of Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That that creates meaning in our lives so that we can then love our neighbor. You know, it was interesting, uh, in prep for this, I watched a panel discussion of uh, somebody who was from Islam, somebody from Hindu, somebody who was a secular humanist, and modern-day Judaism. And it was interesting to hear all the different views of what was wrong with the world, what we are supposed to do in the world. Every one of them had a set of writings outside of their sacred scriptures that they imposed over those things. Writings of teachers, writings of rabbis, um, secular humanism works just basically on consensus of finding somebody else who agrees with you and that's how you come together to create some kind of uh, agreement and things. But all of them said that the purpose in life is that we are to, our job is to mend the universe, to make it better, to follow this pathway, and that is how we attain where we are going. Well, Christianity says that that meaning and that attainment comes first from that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that then, out of love, out of what we have experienced, out of the forgiveness that we have been given and being in that relationship with our Heavenly Father, we then can love truly those around us, to care for them, to love them as we have been loved. And then finally, there is this idea of destiny, the end of things. Where do we go? Well, we know that the writings of our other religions, these pathways, are spiritual things of attaining nirvana, attaining whatever heaven is, getting there by doing these things. But we know that Christianity, our destiny, is to be in heaven because of an event. And that event is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, here's an interesting thing. You know, all the other 
religions teach on some kind of spiritual things, but Christianity is the only one that's bound up in history. If we look at the Old Testament, as it goes through geography and history, it's pointing us to what? To a person in history. As the New Testament then flows from that person in history, is that reality? Is that what we see? Can we look in history? Can we touch those things? Are those spiritual things up here that we just think about, or are those things that we can investigate, touch, challenge, and go back to? You see, the resurrection as a historical event yields to us something. It yields the fact that we can be forgiven that we can have eternal life, that we can have a future forever with God in heaven. And see, there's the difference. Christianity is not a pathway to God. Christianity, as Jesus said, is a way, and the way is a person. It's Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so there's inconsistencies in other things. There's consistency in Christianity of following these things and what we experience out in the world. But there's also the fact that there's, it's reality. It's what we deal with every day. Forgiveness, renewal, love, acceptance, all the things that we know are true in this world, not some kind of esoterical thing that's out there that you can't get your hands on, that you can't touch. And so Christianity emerges among other religions then as one that brings that reality to us. Now, what's the point of all this? I mean, you know, it's kind of a heady discussion in the end. But the point is just that, looking at the, the next slide, going back to the myth. Christianity isn't a pathway, so that myth isn't true. It isn't one of equal pathways. Christianity is the way through the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity isn't a religion. I don't mean to shock you, but Christianity is a faith. It was never supposed to be a religion. Religiosity is doing things to check things off on the list. Faith is trusting in a person, and that's what we are here to do. We are to trust in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, what's important for us in all this is that we show this love of Jesus Christ in a loving way. There's nothing worse than somebody who comes off superior uh, in terms of others because it's obnoxious. And we, we can't show the love of Jesus Christ in a non-loving way. There's different discussions that obviously we have inside the church in terms of errors that we correct. But when we go out into the world, we need to show what we know, the way of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ in a loving way. All of us deal with people in our lives who are of different faiths, and they are sincere in their approaches and their pathways of those faiths. We dare not come off as superior to that. What we need to do is what Paul said before 1 Corinthians 13, to show a more excellent way, that there is a way, not a pathway, that there is a person, and it's Jesus Christ, that there is truth and life, and it comes as a gift that he gives to all people in all places. Christianity is not a pathway. It's a salvation bought on a cross, a freedom that comes through an empty tomb, and a life eternal because the Son of God came to this earth to redeem the creation that was given. May we always approach it that way. May we always 
speak in love of the truth that we know so that hearts can be changed, lives can be transformed, and those around us can be saved. It's a gentle speak of trying to just show them who Jesus is in our life and that truth as we live it. Amen.